live from the Salvation Army National Headquarters, this is the Fight for Good podcast. Hi, and welcome to the Fight for Good podcast. I'm your host, Major Jamie Satterley. We have uh, some exciting things to celebrate today. This is the 100th episode of the Fight for Good podcast. Yay! Yay for podcasting. Uh, So many episodes, so many great guests. Uh, So we're so excited to hit this milestone and very excited to share uh, today's podcast with you, where we interview um, our National Ambassadors for Holiness, Dr. Bill and Reverend Diane Urey. Now, you probably, uh, if you've been around the Salvation Army in the last couple of years, you've probably heard these names. Uh, Dr. Bill Urey is the National Ambassador of Holiness for the Salvation Army in the United States. Uh, He's a scholar on Wesleyan holiness and systematic theology. Um, He completed uh, his doctorate. He has his PhD. That's why we call him the doc uh, in theological and religious studies from Drew University. He was a professor of systematic and historical theology at Wesley Bible, sorry, Wesley Biblical Seminary in Jackson, Mississippi, uh, and was also uh, the pastor at the Elizabeth City, North Carolina EMC. Reverend Diane Yuri is a soldier uh, along with Dr. Bill at the uh, Raleigh, North Carolina Corps. And uh, along with Dr. Bill, she is also the National Ambassador for Holiness for the Salvation Army in the United States. So she has her uh, bachelor's degree in sociology and her master's in theology. She says that describing the depths of what Jesus' love can do in any person's life is her greatest joy. So we love the Yuri's. Uh, they are fantastic. Uh, and they're going to kind of go during this interview, they're going to talk a little bit about what that means to be a national ambassador for holiness, um, along with a, a whole host of of other things uh, that have to do with their role uh, and, and really kind of what their goals are uh, in this great holiness movement that we are a part of. So we hope that you'll take the next few minutes to listen to our interview with Dr. Bill and Reverend Diane. So, doctors, uh, Dr. Yuri, Reverend Yuri, why don't you start out by telling us a little bit about yourself, uh, about your family, who you are? Sure. Yeah, um, I grew up in on the mission field in the country of Taiwan. Most of my growing up years were there. Uh, my parents were, were missionaries for a long time, but I, I spent basically from four to eighteen on the mission field, and. Uh, that was a marvelous context for me in terms of you know seeing ministry, seeing people who preached holiness, uh, lived sanctified lives, saw miracles. Um, but I wasn't a Christian. Uh, uh, turned away from Christ when I was very young, basically, and then came back to Him when I was eighteen. So uh, I have a, a rich background, but I I feel like now I'm just kind of catching up to where where my parents were pointing me all those years. Um, so I'm very grateful, but I, I did seem to me like wasted a lot of time. Um, I'm going to let Diane speak about our particular family, but that's that's my background. All of my siblings are in ministry. Uh, well, four of the five are in ministry full time. Uh, they're mainly in mission work. And now Diane and I are in this, this beautiful place of serving with the Army, so, which is kind of a missionary outreach. But uh, but we're really I'm really grateful for my background and uh um, I guess it's a challenge to me to offer to my particular in my own family, but also those around me, the same kind of modeling that was given to me over those those early years. 
my background is very different from Bill's in that um, I was raised in Michigan my whole life, and my parents were um, just beautifully, this is the same as Bill, my parents were deeply in love with each other and uh, came from a family with five kids, which is such a blessing. But we went to a church that was very nominal, mainline denomination, and I had a you know, a deep hunger for Jesus, like everyone does. I knew I needed God, but I had no idea how to find him. And I, I wanted, I would ask people, no one in my church knew how to tell me. My parents didn't. So it's just this incredible ache for God and didn't have a clue how to find him. And then I went to Asbury College, transferred there my sophomore year. And that was where I first heard of holiness and sanctification. And I heard it constantly and um, was surrounded by people um, who knew Jesus and who loved him, my professors. And the the floor that I lived on in my dorm was 80% Salvation Army girls. And so one of my first introductions to the Salvation Army and holiness, it came together for me in my personal experience, because those girls were so kind and so loving toward me and so hilarious and so much fun that it made a deep, lasting impact on me. I can't, I could go on and on about that and how that impacted me. I saved my black pumps from college thinking in my mind, seriously, this is how weird I am, that one day I might need these because one day I might become a part of the Salvation Army. I'm not kidding. It was that important to me. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Just amazing. Who knew until, you know, decades later. So Bill and I both come from large families and we have a large family. We have four children. Our kids are all following Jesus. They're all walking with him. Um, They're all married And all involved in their churches, which, you know, as parents, we're just so grateful. So you guys, uh, so you're currently serving the National Ambassadors for Holiness. What does that mean? There's so many things I'd love to say here, but to, to cut it to the nub, I think, is the Army unlike most denominations that I'm I'm aware of, and I taught church history for a long time and systematic theology for a long time. So I've done a lot of research and reading about other denominations. This denomination is very intriguing in its willingness to be self-critical and and very self-critical, basically saying uh, at the beginning of the 21st century and where we are now, are we experiencing any kind of mission drift at all in our denomination? That's a very important question for any group of Christians. And I think the army has sensed, especially in America, that the possibility of drifting away from our original commitments as the army from the 1860s on, especially with the, the focus on holy, holy hearts and holy living, what we might call entire sanctification. If we slip on that, we really don't have a purpose for existing. Other people do good service to the poor, which the army does incredibly well, probably better than anybody else. But if we don't have a reason for doing that, that is tied to the Bible and tied to our original original calling, we probably will lose what the Lord's called us to do, lose who, who, who we are. So uh, a few years ago, one of the national uh, commanders, David Jeffries, uh, came to Diane and, and me and said, we, we've been thinking about this, praying about this. Would you consider coming to be 
and this is always a shock for us, <laughs> the second ambassadors for holiness that the army's ever had in, the, in, in America. And that, of course, meant that the first one was Samuel Logan Brengel, and the second was us. Now, we don't, believe, we don't belong in the same sentence with him. We knew that, but, uh, but we prayed and felt like the Lord was leading us together in ministry to become ambassadors. Now, that word bothered me for a while, still does, I mean, because I'm, I'm thinking, wow, what do people think when they see that word? But the more I read the Bible and the more I think about it, all of us are ambassadors for Jesus. All of us are those who offer in the world a different perspective based upon who Jesus is. So we really shouldn't be at all embarrassed about being ambassadors. And holiness, of course, would be his full nature. So if we're pointing to Jesus and his full nature offered to us, then Diane and I are totally on board with that and honored and blessed to do this together. So I want to let Diane dive into this, but um, that's the basis for me of, of kind of how we've come to this this place. Yeah, Diane, can you talk a little bit about like wh- what does that look like? What how do what is the I guess not I don't want to say practical application, but when you when you are out there being an ambassador, what is it kind of that you're doing? I can't even describe the joy that it brings to my life when I think about what I get to do. What I'm asked to do, and it is to, I, I think of it in um, my, my dream, my dream, my, my hope for the Salvation Army is that every Salvationist would come to experience the freedom and the personal joy of being entirely cleansed from the dominating power of self-interest. Every person would experience being filled with the presence of Jesus through the Holy Spirit and and be filled with love. And I believe that can happen. I have experienced that in my life. I that's my goal. And and so I might what I love to try to do is help salvationists be able to understand accurately what holiness is, because there is a lot of bad teaching about holiness. It's burdensome. It's heavy. There's no joy. It seems impossible. So I really love trying to help people understand accurately what holiness is and to be able to articulate it, to give them words. I I just had a long conversation by text message yesterday with an officer asking me for more clarity. And I was just giving, and she was like, thank you. Oh my word. I love that language. I love that. I get it. She said that has changed my life. And so that's very fulfilling to be able to give officers and soldiers words and the, and the confidence. I can talk about holiness. I don't have to be afraid. I'm not weird. This is not an outdated word. Um, we don't have to you know, we don't have to move on from this kind of vocabulary. No, we can talk about it and and articulate it with confidence. And then I also just love to be able to help people understand the vital connection between their personal spiritual disciplines and living a life of holiness. So it's a lot that we get to do. And um, it's a joy. I just can't even describe. It is a joy. A joy. What a joy it is. Yeah. I, and at, at a much more uh, pedestrian level, um, wh- how we do that is primarily, this last four years have been primarily in speaking and teaching. 
So we've done numerous officers' councils, uh, been to all of the training colleges, which is a, a highlight for us, actually. That level of investment is really exciting. For, it's, we love it all, but that's very exciting to deal with with cadets. Uh, Bible conferences, any revivals, uh, symposium, I mean, any any name that anybody says we're connected to holiness, we're, we want to be there. We just don't have enough lifetime to do it. Uh, and that probably raises some questions about the effectiveness of all of this for later in our time together, because we want to do this along the lines of Jesus. And the only way he invested in the next generation was to, was to make disciples. So uh, an itinerant ministry like ours is wonderful. It's joy-filled. It's exciting for us. It's thrilling in most of, in many, many ways to meet these tremendous ministers of the gospel across the nation. Uh, but our, our next step is how do we do more than simply speaking? How can we actually nurture these ideas in an ongoing way? Which is which is a real a real challenge. Um, the last year has been helpful to see that Zoom does work, but it's not the primary way. So we're asking the Lord. I'm asking Him every day. How do we do this better so that there's real lasting fruit in the army for the for the decades to come? Yeah, it's an interesting conversation uh, and one that you know we've been having even you know uh, in. Major Matt's work with the program department on discipleship is like you say that, that we have information and we can teach and we can teach, but if we only focus on that, there's so much more to discipleship. Uh, and sometimes in the army, I think that we have focused so much on program or curriculum that we've left the relationship piece, not intentionally, but maybe not focused as much on that. Um, and then the, the other aspects of discipleship too. So uh, you're right. It is a challenge. Because there's only two of you, and there's a whole country. <laughs> so. Well, we're so. trying. Uh, one of our yeah. goals is to, this is a weird word, but biblical, we're trying to reproduce ourselves so that when we retire, we have soldiers. We're soldiers. We're not officers. We're just normal, everyday people. And no, we're trying to invest in people so that we have soldiers in the wings officers in the wings who can fill our role when we're, and that's, a, that's very important to us that we are investing in people that can be ambassadors for holiness, maybe in their division or their territory or something. And I want to say this just for clarification, because many people ask me this, this is very functional. We serve with the national headquarters, and that means we are a resource to all four territories. And the way that works is we accept invitations from anybody who invites us. We get many invitations from individual core officers, and we will come. We get individuals from or invitations from uh, uh, divisional commanders to do officers' councils. We get invitations from territorial commanders. So when we're invited. They tell us what the program is, and we say, yes, we are available. We'd love to come, or our schedule's full. So just want people to know how it works. Reach out to us if you're interested. Um, I've done several women's conferences. Bill's done things by himself. Um, and there's no cost to people who invite us. We, we are paid by NHQ. Um, NHQ pays for our travel. The only cost to the people who invite us is... House us and feed us. 
So I hope that's clear because I Which think is very expensive. I have had yeah, the food part really. I have had so many people, um, even DCs who have not understood that the way it works, that we can just be invited. Just we have an email like everybody else. So just want to So if they do want to book you, how do they how do they do that? How do they reach out to you? Reach out to us at our email. We are USN. A lot of people can't find us because our address is USN. Um, and let us know what you're thinking. And we will just let people know, oh, our, we're full. Um, sorry, we're already booked. Can you give us another date? And, the, and it starts there. And then we say, you need to go chief to chief. If if we're available, you do the protocol for invitations. So, yeah. And I think if that's confusing to anybody, just uh, to connect to USN with uh, Commissioner Jolene Hodder, I think that's that's the office where she could direct any invitation to us. But uh, Yeah, she has know. done that many times. If she yeah. gets something, she'll pass it on to us and say, what do you think about this? So. Yeah. And it is one of, you're right. It is kind of confusing because people think, oh, well, you're, you guys actually live in the South, but also NHQ uh, kind of, you know, resides physically in the South. So people don't always realize that, no, it's a whole, the whole nation is open to us. That's one of my favorite parts of, of having been here at NHQ is that I'm getting to see the Salvation Army in ways that I never have seen it before um, outside of my own Southern territory. You know, we've been to the West. We're getting ready to go uh, this weekend to Camp Swanecki with Asbury, with the Asbury kids. Um, and so we're just having a grand old time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. See, when I was at Asbury as a student, they invited me to go to that retreat. The Salvationists did. I didn't go because I was chicken. But um, <laughs> that, those were the kind of Salvationists that were at Asbury when I was there. And it yeah. changed my life. Mm-hmm. Hey, could I just piggyback on that? Because something else I want to say uh, earlier about the nation, part of our our job and ministry now has been to sort of assess where we, of course, the two of us, which means it's our perspective, but I, I think we're fairly open-minded and we're looking at things as they really are. Um, it's been very intriguing when we get to the place where, and it takes, I'm going to say this tongue in cheek, when you can actually get an honest response from people that takes about two days with officers and, you know, it takes a while to really get down to the the brass tacks. The majority will say, you know, I, I received this teaching, uh, basic teaching at, in training college, but since then I've had very little support, very little direction as to how to make holiness accessible to the people I minister to. And because it's so difficult, my life is difficult in terms of just meeting basic human needs every day. I very, I have very little time to think, to read, to process how holiness should permeate my entire ministry. Uh, and we hear that. That's that's the primary refrain we hear from most officers. So our heart's broken because of that, because we know people's lives are busy, they're full, they're, they're like, there's Ida, there's whatever the last hurricane's name was. I mean, there's always this stuff happening. And we don't want to add pressure to people, but we want to say, hey, let's remind ourselves from time to time why we dive into these crises. What's the purpose? What's our ultimate goal? However we meet human need, what's the goal? What's the theological foundation for why we serve? And I think the Lord's helped us uh, to to encourage folks along that line, but it's a, it's a constant challenge. So again, I'm back to my point. The army's marvelous at saying, "Hey, these are some needs. We've got to meet these needs. We we see a huge need here, and we we know we're just a very small part of this need meeting. 
but we're we're so grateful that the army is thinking this way and willing to 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 try new things to not let this uh, any any drift if there is drift any drift occur for the sake of the of the full gospel of Jesus Christ yeah and can I can I add something that just came to my mind um, along this line that Bill was just sharing? I just feel so um, led to encourage the Salvation Army. Sometimes, like Bill said, we are self-critical, and which is phenomenal. It's a great posture to have. But I really do want to encourage us as a denomination. And be, the reason being, who in the world has hired full-time people? Name me any other denomination who has hired full-time employees to make sure the officers and the soldiers understand what holiness is. I don't know of any that holiness is so important to our leadership. And then I want to say this too. Everywhere we have gone for four and a half years, the officers have come up to me. I mean, multiple men and women with tears in their eyes. Thank you. Thank you for teaching us about holiness. And soldiers, the same. Our army loves holiness. And we are hungry for it. We are open. We don't find people who have their arms crossed with angry looks on their faces. They are leaning in. They are taking notes. They are flooding to the altar. And I just want our army to not be discouraged because that is so beautiful to me and so wonderful. And it's unique I can't think of another denomination that has scores, hundreds of people who love holiness and are hungering to know what it means and hungering to experience it. So I think we need to just rejoice and thank the Lord. Yeah. So in that same vein, uh, recently we were together for the national, the first ever national seminar for holiness in in Colorado that met this past August. That's going to be an every other year event now. So if you're interested in that, make sure you talk to your local leadership um, about how to get involved with the national seminar on holiness. But can you talk a little bit about that? Um, your kind of your uh, view on it as presenters, um, but also a little bit about your experience and maybe what God showed you through through that time? Well, it was a, it was a dream come true for us. Uh, we, we, I and I often talk about this. It, 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 it resulted as I think a misunderstanding of something else we'd suggested, but it was a marvelous how the <laughs> Lord fixes things. When somebody else misses what you said. What we originally thought was we were going to bring together, well, you know, four, I, we didn't know how many, 40, 60 people from around the country who were focused on holiness, uh, to talk about where we are as a nation, what do we need uh, as a denomination? What do we need to do in America to, to like you were saying earlier, to ground saints, to disciple believers, to to underscore these major doctrines? But the the commissioners, when they heard that request, said, "Well, let's just have a national seminar and invite 
everybody. And which is marvelous. That's a marvelous thing. And, and commissioners always are thinking more globally than I would ever think, which was marvelous. So it, we said, okay, that sounds, that sounds great. And so we dove in um, and we had a great team like you and your husband and uh, a bunch of other folks who gave of themselves selflessly for a long time before the conference and during it as well to provide this context for a hundred people to come together and say, Hey, Lord, what do you have for us that we've not received yet or known or underscore what you're begun, begun in our lives. And it was marvelous. We had a, a great mix of large group meetings and small group meetings and time to just reflect and pray and be alone. It was a, it was a spirit led time. As we reflect on it, we thought, there's very little that we could do to improve this. And we didn't even really know, know what we were doing. We just kind of dove in, um, uh, meaning the whole team together. But, but the Lord came and uh, we, we were very encouraged by the, by the mix of various kinds of discussions and teaching and, and the, the progress of the week. And we felt like the Lord did speak to people, did transform their lives. And we're praying, this is the key again, that when they have gone back home, They've not just given a testimony or not just had coffee with their, their, their officer, but they've actually begun a small group uh, using a book or two that we suggested, maybe even the Bible itself as the foundation of their, of their meetings <laughs> to say, hey, together, what does it mean to be holy in our core? How can we maintain what the Lord's begun in our lives? How can we deepen this? How can we love him with everything that we are together? And we're trusting that that will occur, uh, is occurring. We'd like to follow up now and see what is occurring, but, but and that may be a thing we need to learn about our, our successive meetings. But that's my initial take on that marvelous uh, week together. It was a really remarkable time. It was remarkable. And for me, one of the things that set the tone for how remarkable it was, was the neediness that every single participant acknowledged in their own heart and I'm talking from commissioners all the way to the newest soldier. Everyone came open and needy and humble. And I mean, you would look up and you never knew who was going to be just reaching out to God with broken hearts and receiving words from the Holy Spirit and ministry from. Jesus, every, and it, it was like, uh, there was barely any, any level difference of people there. It was just, we were all the same at the cross for a whole week. And we met in small groups. I, there were people, I didn't even know they were officers until like the last day it, it, because everyone just came hungry and it was a powerful experience of, um, togetherness, praying for each other, openness, and Jesus came in a powerful way. And he's still working in my heart things I learned that week. I hope I hope more and more people will put that on their calendars. You have two, week, two years to plan ahead to get that on your calendar and just come and, and be with other people who are hungry for Jesus and sit in humble desire for the Lord. Yeah, it was really a great time. It does. Uh, it is. A, it's a week long conference. It does take a little bit of um, preparation and discipline in your own life to be able to say like, okay, I'm going to you know put aside 
my work, you know, come away from my family, do all these things and just really kind of, you know, sit there and and take all of this in, but, you know, dialogue and, and process it together. And I think it uh, was a, an incredibly fruitful time, um, a, a refreshing and a, and a recharging in a way that um, I didn't anticipate. I've been studying a little bit interestingly, the last couple of events Matt and I have been invited to, the theme has been somewhere along the line of rest or restoration or something like that. And so I think God is really trying to teach me some things. Um, but in that, looking at the Bible and, and thinking about rest, the the kind of rest and restoration that our soul needs, we can only find that in God. I, you can sleep for a millennium and you're not going to find it if your soul is not, um, you know, right there with Jesus. And so I think that was experienced a little bit that week by getting away, purposely setting ourselves apart uh, to to learn and to just be with Jesus. And it refreshes you in a way, I think, that you don't anticipate. Yes. Yes, exactly. It's, yeah, that he restores our soul. <laughs> you know, um, I said it earlier, and I, I think it connects some of our, our previous conversation together. The, tent, the, 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 the place we need to be learning, though, and this is the hard thing, is, uh, and the Army does events incredibly well. I mean, Di and I are astounded. <laughs> I'm looking at you, Jamie, and I'm thinking how many things you've got on your docket where you're just going to you're just going to get these amazing things produced. <laughs> you, I have no gifts like that, so it's overwhelming for me to see uh, people with your gifts just make things happen so flawlessly. <laughs> and it, it was astounding the team that that produced every hour of that of that time together. But the the, the 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 for me the tension is now what do people take away from it? And like you said earlier, the army is great at offering salvation. We offer help. We offer weekly meetings, great Bible study, all that. But is it actually taking root in people's lives as disciples of Jesus? And that's the place where we need other excellent folks like you and others in your in, in our life to help us. Okay, how does this actually work out? Um, we, we come from the Wesleyan holiness tradition, and that means we're not just focused on getting people to an altar. We're focused on how they are taught before they ever come to an altar, and then what happens when they get up. What kind of accountability, what kind of discipline, what kind of spiritual depth can be encouraged, not forced, but encouraged in every person's life. Wesley said, never preach holiness if you can't follow it up, because if you don't follow it up, you produce children for the devil. So you have these great experiences, but then people leave, and the enemy loves to pick on people who've given everything to him at the altar. He loves that. That didn't happen. You, 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 it was an experience. It was emotional. It wasn't real. But they often, I think, find themselves alone, officers and soldiers, with these, these marvelous encounters with the Holy Spirit. But now what? What do I do? How do I live? How do I continue to deepen, grow? So that's an, another place where we feel a, a real strain uh, of love, but it's a strain to say there are ways to do it, but we've got to figure out in the army how this, how to progress ahead with the movement of officers, with with short term ministries uh, that are dynamic, but they're people move quickly. How does how does the typical soldier in a corps who's been sanctified? How do they now continue to make disciples in the image of Jesus? Whoever's whatever leader has come or gone. How does that continue? So that's a that's for us an ongoing prayer and and discussion. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the things that um, I have really, I agree. Everything Bill said is just so important. And I have, because I'm a soldier and Bill and I have experienced in, in a three-year period of time, we had three different sets of officers. And so we have experienced this um, upheaval that can occur in a core. And I've, I've come to understand the vital significance that a soldier plays. We play as soldiers. And so this was a soldier event. This holiness seminar was a soldier event. And since then, Bill and I have received multiple invitations to do soldier events on holiness all around the country. And I'll tell you what, this is good stuff because it's the soldiers who don't get moved, who, who as we deepen in what it means to live a holy life, to be disciples of Christ, to to lead our small discipleship groups. When our officers leave, our core doesn't implode because we have created a soldiery that is strong and mature and biblically based. So everything that um, you are doing in your department with publications and all the education piece, it's, it's very important, very important. Yeah. And um, I have even, I've mentioned on multiple occasions, we have a national seminar in evangelism. We have a national seminar in holiness. I would love to have a national seminar on discipleship because you can't teach discipleship. We tried, but you can't really teach that mixing it in with everything else. It's so critical. And that might be something that we could think about in the future somehow because be careful what you wants, say because some I, some commissioner is going to be listening and there'll be another <laughs> another assignment die <laughs> well i i want us to feel equipped and confident and not scared not like oh golly the officers have another thing they have to do another program to produce that's not what discipleship is discipleship is what soldiers do and so um it, it excites me yeah it's interesting um, in Matt. So listeners, when I say Matt, I'm talking about my husband, Major Matt Satterley, who's the um, National Youth Secretary, Assistant Program Secretary. He gets to meet with a lot of other youth people and other denominations and other organizations. Um, and that's one of the things that they've been talking about lately is um, that COVID has really shown a light on how event centric we've been. The good news is, well, I don't know if it's good news or not. It's not just us. Every denomination organization is going through the same growth kind of tension. Um, and so we're kind of there. Everybody's kind of looking at this saying like, oh, we focus so much on events, but COVID took all that away. And now we're realizing like, okay, it's almost like starting over. How do we, how do we let God make something beautiful out of what we've just experienced? Not not wanting to shove back into normal into patterns that maybe we shouldn't have been in or or just time to get away from how can something new and beautiful and god honoring come out of all of this so you're yeah. right it can't it can't be all events cuz events end and then then what right so i think you know they they have value and they have their place but how do we harness what happens there for continued growth yes and there are people who have done exquisite work on that. And, and there are resources available to us. 
Um, and it excites me. I think we're getting that picture in the army and I think everyone's willing to give it a shot. Yeah. I, I agree with what, what Matt's seeing and what, what we're talking about totally. I, I think I've sensed the same thing. And it's because we've not been able to get together. So how, how, do we, how do we offer the gospel of Jesus in a way where you cannot get into a room together? Well, that's changing now, but it's been enough of a shake to all of us. And of course, the fear of who's not going to come back or who's not coming back now to say, what is the real church? And I think that's always a good question for the church to ask. What did, what did Jesus actually model for us? So the sanctifying Savior, what did he model? And he, of course, he had some events. <laughs> we know a couple in the scripture. But mainly, it was investing in 12 guys. And not all those were successes. <laughs> so, so Jesus models for us. And that's the, that's the hard thing is modeling day by day, what I call it, dirty, realistic questions, answers, mistakes by disciples, you know, stumbling around, not knowing what's going on. Well, Jesus says, exactly. That's, that's how you make a disciple. So, and for me, for 40 years of ministry, I'm thinking, well, I know that's true and I've experienced it some. How's it work now with this incredibly important thing about the army and its focus on the nature of God and how that nature gets inside of my life, <laughs> which is a pretty huge deal. <laughs> but how does that work out in a in a person who's not maybe graduated from high school? H how do you make that clear to them in core so that they are inflamed with the love of God, knowing what it is to reach out to their neighbor and they're growing in their faith? Uh, that's, I think, where Jesus would say, spend your time here, Bill. Don't write another sermon yet. Spend your time thinking about how I would do this. And I, that's humbling. It's it's very humbling. But I think the army must we must re, re, reconnect with our early roots at that level. I was just listening to a, 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 a recording by Booth just a couple of days ago that somebody sent by some form. I've heard it before. And here's that gravelly voice talking about reaching the prostitutes, reaching the drunks, reaching the guys in prison. But then he he's saying to those who are reaching out, now you. He's talking to soldiers. Now you get out on the street and do something. And I thought that's 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 the end of discipleship. Jesus said, "I'm going to, you do what I'm doing. You, I'm going to be gone now. You, in the spirit, you do exactly what I was doing." And and they did it, <laughs> and the world was changed. So I don't want to miss that pattern. Even in the army's uh, intriguing view of how we do church, I think we need to say, "Lord, what is your pattern in the 21st century for the Salvation Army everywhere, but especially now here in America, since we're talking about that." Yeah, absolutely. Uh, can you talk a little bit about you, uh, Diane? You touched on it a little bit, but as the ambassadors for holiness, um, what are your hopes for the Salvation Army when it comes for, for holiness? We are holiness people. We have very, very strong and specific doctrine about holiness, um, but in 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 wanting to make sure that we keep our eyes on the prize, so to speak, what are your your hopes and your goals? Yeah, well, I did kind of express that before. My my hope is that we would be very encouraged and that and, and I do get around, you know, around the country. I travel a lot and I'm with a lot of different people and I see I see a lot of honestly, just I see some things going on in the army that are they're sad to me. And there is some behavior and some attitude stuff 
that is not holy. And that it breaks my heart. And I, I think I just long for all of us to believe and to experience that we actually can be pure. We can be cleansed. We can stop being whiners and complainers. We can stop having little secret meetings where we talk about our leaders behind their backs. We can stop gossiping. Um, We can stop this stuff. It's sin. And yet we just carry on as if that kind of behavior is just, well, it's human nature. Well, the gospel (laughs) tells us that we are not bound to our human nature. Jesus came to set us free. And he can make us full of love. He can cleanse our mouths. He can cleanse our hearts. And we need that, frankly, in the Salvation Army. We need to be set free from this bondage of, of self. And he can do that. And he can help us to forgive. He can make us pure in what we think about and the things we say. He can make up us people who are not divisive and who bring wholeness and hope to every single person that we ever meet. So I long for that. That's my hope and dream for the Salvation Army. Um, Brinkle used to go places and say, goodness, what is happening here? I'm not leaving until all these people are sanctified. <laughs> I love that. And then he and, stayed and they until were. they were. He stayed until they were because he just said, this is not going anywhere until these people get over themselves. That's basically what holiness said, get over yourself. So I long for that because we have, we have the greatest paradigm for reaching the world body, soul, spirit, mind. We have everything set up as an army to reach the least and the lost. And um, we don't need to get in the way of that ourselves by hearts that are curved in on ourselves. And so that's my dream. I really, I just, and I know this is the thing. I know Jesus can do that. I know he can. Yeah. And I, I look toward it, and I see it happening. I see mm-hmm. it happening in people's lives. It's very exciting. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess, Jamie, uh, to just add a, a practical point to Diane's marvelous, um, I, I, I find my heart swelling with that goal, too, every, every hour of every day. Um, but I, I'm looking at you and I'm thinking, I know something of your gifts, not all of them, but I've seen you work. <laughs> You're an astoundingly, uh, I don't know, you've got a, a incredible leadership skills. We need as, a, as an army to connect together and not that Diane and I need to be there. Just, okay, how does this actually work out? How can we take these ideas, which we know are biblical, we know are right, and the army needs it and the world needs it. We every <laughs> There's nothing that Diane said that every believer in the world needs. So we, we're committed to this already. We're not fighting that fight. We, we believe this is possible. Other Christians don't. We believe it's possible. So in light of that, how do we now make that clear in every core in America, every, every soldier's class, every young people's meeting at the base, they understand this is the reason why we exist. I mean, there, there, there are 
particular ways and leaders and gifted people in the army who can help, I think, to make that available, at least the discussion, the offer. I don't think it's happening at holiness meetings on Sunday morning any longer in most of our core. I don't think it is. We hear it's not. I hear people saying to us, again, in their honest moments, I haven't heard the word holiness in my core for 20 years. I've not been offered a, a place to be sanctified ever in my life here. So if that's true, it may not be, but if that's true, we've got some work to do. And Dine and I, of course, we can't do it all. We're looking for, again, our original idea. How could we get some leaders in the country together to say, here, this is, a, this is honestly where we are. Let's make an honest assessment. Now, what are some steps to move toward clarification, resourcing, connecting, what th- things can be done? And Diane's right. There are lots of resources, but we need to make those available. And actually, I think I would say, lastly, we need to prepare cadets and officers who actually can model holiness, model it in their lives. They're growing. They're diving in. They can testify to sanctification. They're continuing to grow after sanctification, but they're modeling small group accountability, spiritual disciplines, evangelizing around all the things that we know are true, but somehow that the connect is not being made. And um, so that's that's where we're focusing. How, Lord, how in these later years of our ministry, whatever that means, <laughs> how can we help that connection be made in this marvelous, incredible denomination with so many resources, unbelievable. I'm, I'm, I'm overwhelmed every time I'm with a group of officers or soldiers, the amazing people the Lord's brought together. Uh, but we seem to be stumbling on this point, if that's the right word. We, we, we get to it and then we just sort of stumble. We, we're not moving forward in a dynamic, clear way. And uh, so uh, that's my, my, my prayer and my hope is that we can, as a, as, a, as a mutually gifted group of believers, move ahead to the next step. I don't know exactly what that is, but I, I think we need to move forward together. No, that's such good stuff. And as we start to wrap up, I have one final question for you. And that's if a listener has been uh, encouraged by what they've heard here to to learn more about holiness or to see, or maybe they've, they've gotten it, the light bulb has come on. I can be holy. How how would you encourage them to move forward? What are some advice you could give or um, practical first steps to to learning more about holiness, to engaging in holiness themselves? Yeah, that's a great question. So important. Um, I I would say to begin, it's always the Word of God. It's always the Bible, because the living God will speak to us in His Word. And if He has spoken to someone's heart, He wants to speak with clarity and with truth and love and power in your life and um, begin spending a good amount of time in scripture and read the gospels, the first four books of the New Testament. Those are the story of, of Jesus' life. And Jesus has come not just to show us how to live, but he's come to actually make us that person that that he shows us to be. And so begin reading the word. And as you read, pray through what you're reading. He's speaking to you and you can pray as you read. I just, I don't, I don't like to go to other materials. It's without going to the, the Bible first and just ask him to meet you there. And he will, 
He will. He will meet you in his word. Everything he promises, every command that he gives in the Bible, he promises that he can do that in your life. And go to him with an open heart and let him speak hope into you. And um, there are many good books that can be read about holiness, many other books. And I just, I almost hesitate to say what they are because then we skip his word. And um, that's, that's a sad thing to do, you know? And if you want me to, I can give more titles of other books, but I hate the idea of just, well, the, the Bible's too hard. I'm going to read other stuff because I would love for you to just hear him talk to you. Maybe just too esoteric, but that's where I am. <laughs> Not esoteric at all. <laughs> that's beautiful. That's the, that's the basis of everything. For me, I would say, and again, I don't know, I'm always afraid if somebody's alone in this. I'm always thinking in terms of doing this together. I love Wesley's point. Um, there's no holiness, but social holiness. He didn't mean social needs. He meant you have to be, you can only be holy with other people. That's how the Trinity exists. That's how we exist. So I would say to anybody who's seeking this, find at least somebody else who's hungering for all of Jesus. You may not know exactly what that means, but dive into that together. Passionate love for Jesus. He and me, I and him, whatever, whatever language you use. And, and, and that, that's the key, that kind of mutual challenge, uh, sharing sinful ideas, thoughts, proclivities, temptations, how we find victory, have found it there. I mean, that's crucial to this thing called holiness. We cannot do it alone. There's too much temptation. There's too much junk out there. So that's a key, back to my discipleship thing. That that's a key, I would say. But I would also say to, to Diane's marvelous point about the scripture, which is the central thing, the spirit and the word, is is the big picture for us is very important. I think most people get tied up in the Bible because they they just don't have the big picture. I, I often say to people, when we get to heaven, we're not going to hear mercy, 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 or love, love, love. We're going to hear holy, holy, holy. We're going to be singing that. And there's a reason for that. The whole picture of scripture is the Holy One has made us to be in intimacy with him, which means we are to be like him. He can make us like him. That's his purpose. That's his goal. So that everything in scripture, not just one book or two books, of course, the gospels are the primary place, but it's all about the Holy One making his people holy. So everything you study, everything you read ultimately has that goal, whether it's Leviticus or 2 Corinthians. And, and I think that may help a person who's a little confused as to what do I do with all this Second Chronicles stuff? You know, it, it helps us to see these are stories about kings, leaders who did not have a whole heart. And God wants every person, every leader to have a whole heart, a heart full of peace, of rest. <laughs> but they didn't. So uh, there's a way of looking at all the Bible that I think underscores the beauty of this, this not just message, it's, it's the reality of why we exist, why Jesus made us for himself. And sometimes I think that whole purpose is missed. Um, and so we, we sort of work our way up to something and then we fall back and we work our way up and try to aspire to something else and some good deeds and then we fall away. Would it be okay if I prayed for, sure. every, for the listeners and just- Absolutely. Just I would love to close in prayer. Yeah, sure. That would be great. All right. 
Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for your love for every single one of us. We are just overwhelmed that you are so intent on living in intimacy with us that you would come to us like you have, that you would become one of us, that you would take all of our helplessness and our hopelessness, things about ourselves that we think are just too hard, that we will never be able to stop. We will never be able to be clear or clean or pure. And that you take all those things, you take them into yourself, you take hold of us, and you bring us right into your life. And you want to put your life into our life. We are so grateful. And we, we lift our hearts to you right now. We lift our souls to you. And we ask you to make us everything you've ever dreamed that we would be. We love you. We trust you. We want to obey you. And we give you our lives. We want to be every place we live, every place we go. We want to be your presence of love and care and forgiveness and acceptance to everyone, the people who are lonely and hopeless and despairing. Send us forth in yourself. Fill us with yourself, Holy Spirit, so that we can be a blessing of hope and goodness and truth to the world where we live. We're honored, Jesus, to be in, with you in ministry. We are so privileged to know you, and we love you today. We pray for the Salvation Army. Make us your army. You are the Lord of Heaven's armies, and we want to be pleasing in your sight. We want to belong to you and be about your business in this world. And so we look to you and we go forth in your name. Amen. 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 That's going to be the end of our 100th episode for the Fight for Good podcast. Be sure to subscribe for Fight for Good wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to follow The War Cry and Peer on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Until next time, this has been the Fight for Good. See you later. Subscribe to Fight for Good wherever you listen to podcasts.